0: This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL.
1: Okay, great perspective brought up by Karen. Karen, thank you for this. Karen sent a note. I was talking about certain restaurants who are doing contact tracing. So, in contact tracing meaning they're taking down names and phone numbers of where to people are from and then writing down table numbers you don't necessarily have to do it but it's something that some of them are doing and i had talked about a conversation i had with a server this past weekend where he had seven tables over i want to say a three-hour period inside the restaurant and he noticed that five of the seven were 416 or 905 area codes well Karen says, with respect to that discussion, one thing that should be taken into consideration would be the incredible number of people who have moved to this area in the past five years from Toronto who have not changed their phone numbers. I could name several right off the top of my head. I probably had over 200 clients who have done that in the past few years alone. It may be wise to focus on their postal code rather than their area code. Just another perspective. Karen, that's brilliant. Actually, thank you. That that does make me feel a little bit better. Adds another dimension to that conversation. And that's why I said I was just kind of doing conversational research over the weekend. Let's have a conversation that stays within the restaurant industry right now. Carol Gates is the owner of GT's on the Beach in Port Stanley and joins us. Carol, thanks for being here.
2: Hi, Mike. How are you?
1: Not too bad. How are things going through these new phases?
2: Uh, They were tough at the beginning as we put in all kinds of new protocols and strategies, but we feel like we've got it now and uh, it's going really well. Lots of Customers busy nights. Um, we're now taking reservations, but it's going really well. And ninety-nine percent of the clientele are so thrilled we're open.
1: You know that's good to hear. And ninety-nine percent of the clientele, maybe even maybe even more, or would it be less, or are okay following all these regulations? How's that going? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going really well. I mean, the frustrating thing is we still get phone calls, people asking to book a group of 30 or 50, and it's just not going to happen. And they, they don't understand you're still supposed to stay in your bubble. But we say no and we move on and uh, keep serving people in their tables of eight or less.
1: Carol, maybe this is a perfect opportunity to explain those rules because a lot of times we get kind of confused. We've had a lot of changes to things. So with regard to booking a reservation, how big can a a table be?
2: So we are taking right now eight or less because for the speed and the service aspects of a restaurant. But ten is the max. Ten is still the max even though outside – you can have a gathering of a hundred people, but you're still supposed to stay six feet apart from anyone that's not in your bubble
1: and How challenging has it been to kind of keep everybody six feet apart? Does that work?
2: Yeah, it works. I mean we are in a very very lucky situation where we had the beach that we could expand onto, so we've just all of our tables are six feet apart, and for the most part um we're finding. Uh, clientele are just very respectful and everyone knows the rule and you know to the previous point about people from other area codes I would I would encourage people not to be too freaked out about that because if we as a staff and you as an individual do the right thing and wear a mask when possible not that you're going to be wearing one when you're sitting at the table and wash your hands frequently. Even if someone were to come in who unfortunately have the virus, if you do all the right things, it should stop there. It shouldn't get passed along. So I would encourage people to do, if you do the right thing, you won't get it even if you're exposed to it.
1: Well, we keep reaching back to a study that was done in Missouri that dealt with two hairstylists. And both had tested positive, and they were wearing masks, and all of their clientele were wearing masks, and the virus was not passed on to any person who came to visit them, and that's... That's pretty close contact if we're talking about hairstylists. So thank you. You were, that's the second person who's now making me feel a, a little bit better about this today. Yeah. Carol Gates joining us, owner of GT's on the beach in Port Stanley. Do you get a sense that we are getting, because Port Stanley is such a tremendous tourist spot, are we getting people from all over the place coming down or is it impossible to tell?
2: It's impossible to tell it really it truly is, and I have a number
1: of staff members with to to the earlier point.
2: I have a number of staff members with four one six area codes as their their phone number so and what we we do take contact tracing, um, but we do name, time and date of visit and a phone number. so we really don't track the postal code, um, all of that. It's just if we need to get a hold of you, we have a way to get a hold of you.
1: And it kind of works both ways that way, right? If if you need to get a hold of somebody, this is certainly an element to protect anybody who happens to be working at a particular establishment. But it's also helping to protect everybody else, isn't it?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we're outside in a wide open, breezy space. So we feel like we're as safe as could possibly be.
1: Carol, with regard to the changing ways of things, with all of the different things that you've had to adjust to or be ready for, how is the communication that comes to you in terms of what you can do and, and when you can do it?
2: It's been rough, I won't lie. Uh, it's um, The information, I mean, we had three and a half days' notice to open. It would have been really great if we all would have known, and that was back when it was we moved to stage two. It would have been amazing if two weeks before they could have said, "When stage two happens, even though we can't give you a date, that will mean patios can open." At that point, we would have kicked into high gear and, uh, you know, got staff hired. But really, we, as grateful as we are to be open, we were we were put in a situation where we had three and a half days to rearrange our whole restaurant, get all our staff back. Get everyone trained on new ho- protocols. Get the PPE in. It was a monumental task to do. So, um, a little more notice would have been really helpful.
1: Yeah, three and a half days. And were yeah. you hiring staff at the same time? Were there were there holes on the chart that we, you had to fill?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had hired our staff early March, luckily, and so, um, but they were all put on hold. We didn't know if we'd have a job for them or not. And so that Monday, when Doug Ford made his announcement that stage two would start on Friday, we had to get on the phone and start calling people and find out who was still willing, who was available. And yeah, it it took us a few weeks to keep filling in those holes. And people worked a lot of long, hard hours those first couple of weeks. Now that you've got it
1: it in place, is this something that you can see, you know, for the foreseeable future? If you had to operate this way, this is the way you could go?
2: Yeah for sure i mean we will we will keep net stage three changed absolutely nothing for us so we're going to just keep doing what we're doing till uh till we close up at the end of september unless something else changes
1: carol gates joining us owner of gt's on the beach in port stanley with regard to dining inside we've been hearing things that in port stanley some establishments are choosing to just keep it outside keep it keep it that way have you heard that
2: uh, yeah, we have, there's, uh, there are several that I can think of, or um, there are a couple that have more private rooms where they're just doing one group per room. Um, so really, you have to get in touch with each individual restaurant and, and figure out what they're doing. But it's been such a beautiful summer. I don't think anybody's really hard done by eating outside. It's pretty spectacular
1: yeah we'll knock on some wood that we keep getting some sunshine. Can you imagine what it would have been like if stage two began and we had last summer or a rainy no. summer?
2: No, I'm so grateful for the weather this year beyond grateful
1: well good let's let's hope yeah. that the sun keeps shining a little bit because you guys had to get a late start and yeah. the restaurant industry in a tourist town that uh that's kind of short some years isn't it?
2: It's very short, but you know. I I keep telling my kids and my staff, you know, it's important that we all look for the the lessons of the pandemic. And I don't know what GTs will look like next year, but I am sure there are some things that we were forced to do this year. Um, Maybe reservations, maybe seating by hostess where we were always just first come first serve. Maybe we'll decide to keep some of those things. So it's going to be really interesting, you know, when a time comes where we can, are able to open closer to what we'd consider normal. There's going to be some lessons from this time that we keep. So it's, it's it'll be an interesting discussion over the fall and winter.
1: Carol, thanks so much for the discussion just now, and thanks for shedding light. Is there anything we can do as guests that make things easier on employees? I
2: would say just be patient. You know, your food might not come out as quick. Your drinks might not come out as quick. Those staff members, you know, to they, they have to take the time to stop and sanitize surfaces, their hands, maybe change a mask. It takes extra time, and we're putting extra staff in place, but just be patient and enjoy the experience, and remember that three months ago, you weren't even allowed to eat out. Just enjoy the ride.
1: And if you pick a spot, stay in the spot, right? Otherwise, stay you have to sanitize spot. all those tables.
2: Exactly, exactly.
1: All right. Carol, thanks so much for the time.
2: Appreciate it. Have a great day, Mike.
1: You too. That's Carol Gates, hey. owner of GTS on the Beach in Port Stanley. That is a thing, you know. It, it's it's one thing to and Carol makes the point, and this this is kind of the thing that I I really hope we hang on to. Three months ago, you weren't allowed to eat on a patio. You weren't allowed to eat at a restaurant. It just wasn't a thing that you could do. And now that everything kind of gets back to normal, you kind of go back to the same old, same old ways. But if you sit down in a place and go, oh, you know what, I'd rather sit over there. And then you move over there, and then you think, well, you know, no, let's move back closer to where we were before. There's a better sight line, or there's a better breeze, or more shade, or whatever it happens to be. You realize that the cleaning crew, the staff that are there to clean and sanitize so that everybody stays safe and healthy... They have to go to that first table, even though you may have sat in it for 30 seconds, and sanitize that. And then they have to go to the second table you went to and sanitize that. And then when you're finished, they'll sanitize your third table. It's just adding extra work, and in a way, that may be adding to things like how quickly you can get your food. So thanks to Carol for that conversation. Let's take a break. We'll let you know what is still ahead on London Live when we return. We are getting set to go to... Queens Park and here from Ontario Premier Doug Ford. And there is a lot of conversation going on with regard to Toronto and when they will move into Stage 3. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. But I want to go back to my earlier point that I led off with. I was kind of just doing some research over the weekend talking to people knowing that we were going to be talking about restaurants and maybe I'm way off maybe I'm way off that we aren't seeing as many people from out of town or that it isn't really that big an issue as Carol says if everybody does things right there shouldn't be that big a risk and that's kind of where we've got to get to everybody doing things right but that we've got a lot of people who have moved here just ask l star the london st thomas association of realtors how many people have moved from the gta to southwestern ontario and now live here and probably haven't changed their phones so yeah area codes doesn't necessarily mean people are taking a two-hour drive just to have a cocktail in the sun i like it. The sports world is about to become a very different place, and here's hoping everything goes according to plan. Nothing's been perfect yet. The National Football League, players are either tweeting or posting on Instagram every day that they want more in terms of information about policies and making sure that they're going to be safe, that they know how things are going to go in training camp. They don't have that yet. And in Major League Baseball, there is going to be flying around. There will not be Blue Jays games in Toronto. They're not going to play those. So the Blue Jays need a home before Friday night. I don't think we can offer up our backyards because a few players have said they don't really like the confines of Buffalo and the AAA stadium there. That's a beautiful stadium. That's a really nice stadium. But, no, they want Major League facilities. Clubhouses aren't really big enough so there are still a lot of things that are big question marks in the sports world but at the same time we've got individuals who have been able to look at this pandemic and say okay how can we make this work and there's something that our next guest has been doing that seems to fit quite well within the pandemic and although he's not in Barbados as was the suggestion by Barbados. They're putting together a program where you get a 12-month visa, and if you work from home, you can work from there. Work tourism, it sounds like. Rob Shrimp can basically do this anywhere in the world. So, let's answer the question. Where in the world is Rob Shrimp? He joins us now. shrempy how are things?
3: Hey, Stubbsy. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm great. I'm in- so, I am in
3: Vienna, Austria right now working with yeah. uh, top five ranked draft pick Marco Rossi
1: very nice and too bad you couldn't be in a prettier city I mean uh, it's too <laughs> bad that you have to look at you know gray walls and square buildings. how beautiful is Vienna for anybody who's never been there
3: it's yeah it's amazing the the is amazing the, the history of the city it's absolutely beautiful um, you know great great dining lots of stuff to see the shopping's amazing um, really cool culture here so it's. Uh, I got some time when I played in Salzburg. My wife and I would visit here, so it's good to get back. And then in this capacity, it's, uh, it's really fun to get back.
1: Do you have a spot that you call home on this planet, or are you kind of bouncing around all over the place?
3: <laughs> that's a fair question. Right now, we call Latvia, uh, Riga, Latvia, is our home home base, and and we're kind of we set up shop there in May, and we're just uh, yeah, that's where we are now. And back where my wife's from, and uh, getting our putting some roots in there and, and start our life out.
1: Well, you're working with a guy in Marco Rossi, who's one of the most electric players. He's got a little Rob Shrimp in him, I'm sure you've noticed, but one of the most electric players in junior hockey. So tell us a little bit about what you are doing in terms of coaching and how it kind of fits in okay with the lack of hockey that we've had in this pandemic.
3: Yeah, so you know, I built the my partner and I built the forty four vision hockey platform and what we're doing is essentially going in through players video their video and, and and inserting our knowledge and experience into that and showing them the fine details on how to execute in those situations uh so you know this is just something where we kind of we started with that started doing it with some pro players had some great results had some great feedback and then from there built out a team of 32 coaches um on the men's and the women's side teamed up with danny civrette um obviously playing with danny having a great Great success with Danny at the Memorial Cup years in London. And then even in pro, we, we got together. He's a great hockey mind. So having him on the platform was a no-brainer. And uh, guys like that. And on the women's side, we have six Olympic women team members uh, as for the women's game. And what we do, we just insert that knowledge into the game and help them through their game scenarios and execution. So it's somewhere where we can bring that resource anywhere that anybody has a game film.
1: So what sorts of things will they send you? Them on the power play, or it could be them doing anything?
3: Yes, yeah, so it's it's any it's, it's anything through their game scenarios to say, with Danny was working with the defenseman, gap control, first passes, uh, escaping four checks, you know, all that kind of stuff that good you know details that helped Danny get through his career, climb the ladder where he did the same thing with the women's, you know, the, the details that they execute to get to the women's Olympic team. Uh, for myself, I, I do a lot of offensive production, so kind of creating an offense and how to ways to do that and see the the opportunities in the game. You know, maybe they missed, they didn't see it, or, you know, and that's, that's part of it, walking them through what to look for and how to execute in that situation.
1: What a genius idea. Now, do you find you have players who are still looking to get in somewhere or, you know, get from one league to another? Or could this be just about anybody who plays the game?
3: We really have a level. There. I mean, obviously there's a level of, of um, you know, on the ice uh, capabilities so, you know, we really want to have integrity. So there's some places where it's not going to answer, you know, it's more for the private coaches working on skating and thick handling passing. We're not for everybody per, per se, but if you're at a certain level uh, being able to execute what we're trying to, you know, show you through the video, uh, you know, I'm not sure where the age stops. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting, you know, we got some 12U, 11U. So they're coming on the platform and it, you know, and then it come, we took another level of it and we made coaching coaches. So, helping coaches with structure. So, that's somewhere where we can have an impact totally on hockey. Danny's leading the charge on that, Civvy, Uh Just helping them implement structure to 11, 12 year olds, helping them understand the systems and, and why, and not so much of, you know, the buzzwords of, look, we're going to do the one, two, two. You're going to have Dan, someone like Danny, myself, and some of the coaches explain to you the why and where you want to get the puck back. And I think that's going to be extremely helpful because. That'll help the players have structure, and then that's where they build. And then when it gets you know, 13, 14 years old, that's maybe more where they would have the one-on-one of an ex-NHL guy or an ex-Olympic uh, woman athlete insert the knowledge. You know, they have the structure and kind of the smaller details of the game in place where they you know, have more opportunity to work one-on-one with, with that knowledge.
1: Rob Sharp joining us from Vienna, Austria. And again the the platform name is called like you say it's it's kind of for, you know, for players of a certain level, but what is the platform name?
3: 44 Vision Hockey is the name of our platform. 44
1: Vision Hockey. Well, Rob, we already have a question that's come in from Shane. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk some hockey for just a second. Even before we get to Shane's question, we're talking with Rob Schremp all the way from Vienna, Austria. Um, you were on Spittin' Chicklets, the podcast, recently, and they do a great job, but those guys will ask anybody anything what is it like to go into a situation where you know you're going to be talking with the guys from Spit and chicklets about who knows what could be could be your first girlfriend at some point you never know where those guys are going to go what's that like
3: yeah yeah you know it's it's definitely interesting you know the impact and, and what kind of listening and following that they, those guys have and uh for me yeah, it was fun. it was one of those ones you just never know what the, what the uh kind of what the structure of the conversation is going to be but um, you know, that's, that's the thing going through, you know, go back in my London days where we, we got interviews all the time. We're doing, trusty myself, we're doing, uh, radio shows. There's not much that can, sh- you know, shock you, so to speak. So, I felt well-prepared and obviously when something comes your way that you want to maybe not talk about, discuss, you, you totally deflect. So I was, uh, it, for sure. I, I hear what you're saying and I was a little bit like, oh boy, <laughs> but, but those guys are really respectful and. Uh, You know, they asked great questions and it was a great interview. So I was really happy with the result and the way we took it, you know, more professional and, uh, you know, digging into the the, the career a little bit more than digging into some of the the story, so to speak.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great interview, and anybody should check that out. Spitting Chicklets and Rob Shrep from a few weeks back. Now, let me grab Shane's question here real quick. He says, uh, "Can you ask Robbie what he was doing before each night's game? Because you would do a warm up with your stick, with a puck or two, not dressed in your uniform, and just became this ritual. Can you take us through what that was about for you?"
3: yeah for me it was visualizing the space and visualizing um, really visualizing my success and what I wanted to do that night and then kind of just just seeing it and then having the feeling of it and feeling the puck feeling what the release of the puck you know sometimes it's about getting in touch with the, you know with that feel how your hands feel feeling like the puck's on a magnet for you and uh, for me going out there maybe an hour or two before the game knowing what my hands were feeling knowing what I, how i was feeling with the puck was a small detail, but it it made me feel connected with it. And then once I got on the game, I felt confident with the puck. Whenever it got to me, I was already, you know, I already envisioned what I wanted to do. Um, So for me, going out there was more visualization, just visualization, getting myself pumped up and and trying to rip a couple shots off the crossbar and in, just to feel that without any gear on and visualize my success and then try to do it in the game.
1: You say puck on a magnet. And that's something that you do maybe better than anybody else who's ever played the game and the way you can flip over sticks and stuff like that. When did you actually realize that that could be a thing?
3: Yeah, I was probably about 12 years old, 12, 13 years old. I really got confident with the puck and really understood the space around me, kind of so to speak. What were my range, I, inside of my range, I could really have control of that puck and what I could do with it. And that's when I got comfortable with it, and that's when I started to kind of climb the ladders in the game and feel offensively it really helped me just excel because I knew in my area, I knew how how to handle the puck and what what to do with it, so to speak, and what I could do. If I did something with the puck, how it would make the other person react. So it was kind of knowing, kind of manipulating the situation, so to speak, with puck control.
1: All right. Before we close out, you got to give us one, one memory of a night school that's popped into your head in the last year. Any, any that you think of or anything you've been talking about with anybody?
3: I haven't talked about, but I think the Belleville goal and the delayed penalty, was, was <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, we had the puck. I think we had like 20-something passes, and, and we had the puck for like a, over a minute and a half. And there probably should have been like three other penalties on the play God, Dylan Hunter almost, you <laughs> guys, not funny, but got smoked from behind. There was like three more slashes on pairs. There was, uh, I think, I almost, me or Danny, Cigarette S- 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 almost scored on our own net passing it backwards. So there was so much that happened inside this minute and a half, and then the building was just kind of energy building. You could feel it on the ice as a player, and then I walked off the uh, half wall and scored. It was actually kind of a greasy goal. I went five hole, <laughs> which I didn't score many of those in my career, but, you know, just getting it on net and it went in, but. The energy in the building for that goal was pretty cool.
1: Rob, it's always great talking with you. Thank you so much for making some time for us. Uh, try to enjoy Vienna. Uh, I know it'll be tough, but uh, but try. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Dudley.
1: Okay, take care bear. of yourself.
0: I appreciate it. Ciao.
1: <laughs> That's Rob Shrep. Be safe. That is Rob Schrepp from the London Knights, now with 44 Vision Hockey. I mean, this is a brilliant way to do things, where you get people to send you video, and you've got, you know extra eyes to look at it for a player who is maybe you know trying to make it back to a league or trying to make it somewhere you know trying to get to the nhl amazing staff that he's put together martin from reliance home comfort says it's going to be an hour before we can have a hot shower so i can't promise hot showers so it's still cold showers get your cold showers i can offer those for another hour In the meantime, we get to talk about coming on down. You ready for this? The Pride is Right Trivia Contest has been going, and we get an opportunity to find out what that is and talk about something really unique that has become a part of this year's The Pride is Right Trivia Contest. Please welcome, from learners, Karen Simpson and... A former member of the Minnesota Wild, the New Jersey Devils, and a guy who played against the London Knights a whole lot as a member of the Owen Sound Attack, Curtis Gabriel. Karen, Curtis, how are you doing?
2: Great, Mike. How are you?
1: Not bad. Doing great. Curtis, how are things? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to uh, hear it. Thanks for having us on. Well, you know what? Thanks for being here because this is a a pretty unique story, and it goes – in a number of different directions for a number of great reasons. So, Karen, why don't we kind of go right to the beginning. Fill us in on what the Pride is Right Trivia Contest is all about.
2: Sure. Um, the Pride, Pride is Right Trivia Contest is really an initiative by Learner's Law Firm to cast the widest net during this pandemic in support of the LGBTQ2S community in London. And in particular, the um, food insecurities that have revealed themselves during this pandemic and the two groups that do the most work to support this community, in particular youth and, and young people, young adults, is YOU's Emergency Youth Shelter and its food program, which is going to start or open at the end of July, as well as uh, Queer Events' Food for Queers program. And, and that group partners with the London Food Bank and the RBC Convention Centre to prepare and package meals and, and get them out to uh, queers in their community.
1: So, fantastic. So, you've partnered with them, but you've turned this into an event that has fit nicely in the pandemic, which is not easy to do. So, congratulations on, on making that happen. How does the Pride is Right trivia contest work itself, the trivia part of it?
2: Well, thank you for that. I've actually um, been working with Adam Crockett, who's, ai am going to say, a professional trivia host. He's excellent at what he does, and he's up in Gravenhurst leading weekly trivia online every Wednesday through Zoom. It's about an hour and a half each week. And families are, and friends of families are logging in all over London, Ontario, uh, through the GTA, uh, into the United States, and we even have participants from Mexico.
1: that's amazing so could this be open to basically the world
2: it is it is open to the world i've been putting it on social media each week um using my handle which is ranger york underscore nine nine and i will tag various uh supporters of the pride is right community partnerships that i have i have developed over the years with in particular zenza pizzeria and and london brewing co-op and sawdust brewery is on board so the the idea is to give back as as much as you know we're asking people to make a small contribution to play.
1: We're talking right now on London Live with Karen Simpson from Learner's Law Firm, and also with Curtis Gabriel, former NHLer, former OHLer, and we'll talk about Curtis's involvement in a moment. But Karen, there are prizes to win in this.
2: Oh yeah, there's lots of prizes. There are weekly prizes through um, London Brewery. London Brewing Co-op, sorry, Sawdust Brewery. We have um, Cravings Desserts, which is a black-owned business in London, as well as uh, Mobile Detailing, which is um, another black-owned business that provides on-property, at-your-residence, vehicle detailing. So, I mean, there's an element here of wanting to support as many um, new businesses and uh, minority businesses and um so far, so good there 'll be a grand prize as well as a booby prize booby prize being for <laughs> the most most abysmal performance, which currently my team is gunning
1: towards. Hey, you know what though? I mean, an award is an award, seriously, so that's that is a feat, so keep on gunning. one of the prizes that was available was a stick handling session with Curtis. And we're going to tell more about this story a little later on this week. But, Curtis, you have been involved for a while now with the LGBTQ2S plus community. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement?
0: First of all, great job doing that acronym so well. I've uh, had to work hard at that, uh, executing that one, so great job there. Um, Karen just reached out over Instagram, and uh, I thought it was a great... A great thing she was doing, honestly. She's taking initiative, and it's learners doing this, but it's really Karen going to learners and and working this out with them. So kudos to her, and um, just a great person to work with. And then her educating me on uh, the different charities here, um, why kind of would would be interested, and I definitely was. So I didn't want to commit too much to the to the doing the trivia every night because I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. But I figured, hey, how can I help? How can I you know give a prize or, or be involved some way somehow with my strengths, which I guess is you know playing pro hockey and maybe a kid wanted to do a stick hand session. I do it a lot right now. I'm still trying to get better at playing the game myself, so why not uh, jump out and, and help someone who wins a prize and see if they love it? I think we have a great candidate this Thursday to do it.
1: And you have become someone who has been involved in the LGBTQ2S plus community, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, um, just a, a brief synopsis. Um, I had an ex-girlfriend whose friend's uh, were uh, an out couple and one of them came out to be in the relationship and she was not supported very well and I being a, a naive uh, white cis male hockey player uh, I, I live in a little bit of a bubble haven't seen much racism ever haven't ever seen the LGBTQ2S plus kind of shaming so um, that was an eye-opener for me and then uh, back in 2019 I was able to uh, wear pride tape on my stick for a game against the Montreal Canadiens when I was with the Devils and I scored a goal a game-winning goal biggest uh, goal of my life and my career but also a big win for inclusion and uh since then I've used it on my stick uh, every game. So kinda a year and a half into this now, um, and as I was telling Karen before we got on this call, uh it's been it's added so much to my life and that's my big message is that people can get out and help these, you know, communities that are, you know, not being treated right, honestly, uh, to be quite frank. And uh I think it can also also help them a lot, but it also brings you a lot of like, you know, a lot of feeling back. Like as I was telling Karen, there's just the best people to work with in the world. They're the most judgment free, um, caring Compassionate people I've ever been around,
1: Curtis. You were in Lehigh Valley this past season. Were you using that tape at times this past season as well?
0: Uh, yeah. So ever since that game uh, in the spring of 2019 against the Devils, I've used it uh, every game, whether I was in the NHL or in the minors. Uh, it's always been on my stick. It'll be on my stick when we scandal this Thursday. And uh, as long as I, as long as Pride Tape, Jeff McLean, Dean Patrick, and Doctor Christopher Wells supply me with that tape, I'll have it on
1: my stick. That's for sure. That's fantastic. We're talking right now with Curtis Gabriel, who has been with the Minnesota Wild, the New Jersey Devils, used to play for the Owens Sound attack. We won't ask you about any Knights attack stories this time around, maybe another time. But, Karen, let's talk a little bit about someone who is going to benefit from a little stick-handling session with Curtis.
2: Well, that's really the focus here, is to try to uh, bring this community together, in particular youth, in the community, um, this little guy's name is Cullen Kutarba, and he is uh, a Londoner who's played hockey now for three years. This was his third year. He, he absolutely loved it. He's been playing house league. He socially transitioned in his classroom last year and was and very supported by his classmates. He's got a very supportive and loving family, and at the same time, I know that there are a very high percentage of youth that drop out of sport, including hockey, when they get to their teenage years or when hockey becomes that much more competitive and they don't have, you know, the same sense of inclusion that they may have had when they were younger. So this is an opportunity for Cullen to, I think, you know, maybe show off some of his skills for Curtis, but to also get some reinforcement that he's accepted and a, a pretty talented pro hockey player is only there to encourage him and make him feel like it's okay and um the changes that he's gone through are are accepted and and uh it could be a really transformative experience for him
1: and what a great story simply because of that support that is there because of that acceptance that is there wow
2: yeah colin actually said to me or sorry to his mother who who's been wonderful to to meet and get to know they're they're very supportive and have been a part of this little initiative every step of the way so there hasn't been any surprises and as I said it's been nice to get to know them she told me Cullen's mother Vicky that he he was he was really concerned that maybe Curtis wouldn't have enough tape for for their outing for the for the (laughs) stick handling session and wondered if they could you know scoop some up before a week rolled around, which, which it's obviously happening this Thursday. So he's pretty excited. Um, I'm sure he's got some practicing that he's been undertaking. I think it's maybe like Christmas in July for him.
1: No doubt. We're talking with Karen Simpson from Learners and Curtis Gabriel from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Philadelphia Flyers organization. And we're talking about Thursday and stick handling. So, you know, Curtis, when when somebody gets set to, to do a stick handling session, you mentioned you've been doing a few of these. What sorts of things do you hope they, get, they take away from it?
0: Well, first and foremost, like Karen said, that uh... – that he's going to be included in sports Uh, no matter what he decides to do we're judging people here on their character on their kindness on their compassion on on what they bring to a team and not about who they want to love or who they want to be Uh, that shouldn't be anybody's business quite frankly in my opinion so reinforcement from there but also uh you know i love the game just like colin does and uh i I think i have a lot of experience Uh, he's 10 years old Uh, i was playing since five so 27 years old now i've seen a lot Uh, i'm a very open-minded person so i'm always trying to get better and definitely try to translate some of the things I've been working on as a you know 27-year-old pro hockey player to a 10-year-old and give them some tips that I wish I was taught at that age.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you for your involvement in this, Karen. Thank you for your initiative. This is fantastic. The pride is right. If somebody wanted to still join in and take part in the pride is right, how do they go about doing that, Karen?
2: Absolutely. They can still join. There's two weeks left, this Wednesday and next Wednesday at 7 o'clock, they can um, click on the link through my Instagram account, which is rangeryork__99. They can find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is public. I've posted the link there. Um, and, and really, those two places will, will get them to the Eventbrite link.
1: Well, we really appreciate the time you two have taken for us today. Karen, all the best. Stay safe. Curtis, I hope we see you back on the ice very, very soon in a uniform playing some pro hockey. And, uh, and please keep safe as well.
2: Thanks for having me. Thank Mike. you
1: guys. Take care. That's Bye-bye. Curtis Gabriel. And Karen Simpson, Karen is with Learners, and Curtis, you may remember from his time as a member of the Owen Sound Attack, if you're a junior hockey fan and he's gone on to play pro with the Wild and the Devils and in both the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League as well, and is going to be hanging out with Cullen this Thursday as part of the Pride is Right, and Cullen is somebody who has transitioned, and it winds up being a very positive story, one of those ones that we can't hear enough. Remember, pride should continue. If we can, we can find a way. Can we have it continue all year? Don't put an end. 2020 doesn't have enough positive stuff, doesn't have enough good energy. Pride always provides both of those things. We need it to keep going. Just into December, we'll do winter events. I know they have winter pride. We'll start them early.
0: You've been listening to the London live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from one to three.